Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans chapter eight, and um, praise God. Let's begin at verse number five. Romans chapter eight and verse number five. I tell you what I'm going to do. I don't. I don't have these first verses uh, in my notes as far as being able to put them on the slide. Um, but I want to begin this morning um, in verse number one. So we're going to read uh, one through four and you know, leading up to the verses that we're going to look at this morning, five and six. Um, before we do that, let me, let me just remind you for a moment or if you're here for the first time, um, we're in a series that we're just simply calling Mindset mindset. And we're looking at the importance of mindset. And what we see in scripture is that how you set your mind, how I set my mind, um, enables us to tune into certain frequencies. But at the same time, setting our mind enables us to tune into certain frequencies it also causes us to tune out other frequencies. So tune into one causes the opposite effect to the other frequencies. Now, I'm not trying to reduce praise and worship to simply being this, because it is so much more than this. But what we've done now for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, is we've worshiped the Lord, but, but you can't effectively worship Him without setting your mind upon Him. In other words, to set your mind um, upon the Lord, um, you know, worship is a, is a key way that we do that. Um, worship is setting. We could even define it that way. Worship is um, setting your mind upon the Lord. Or maybe we could say it begins with setting your mind upon the Lord. And just look, look, I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think so. Um, have you ever noticed when you, when you come to a time of worship, how all of a sudden your mind begins to wander? You know, you begin to think about what's for lunch. You begin to think about who's here, who's not here. You begin to think about, um, you know, how tired you may feel or what you got going tomorrow and, and what's planned for the rest of the day. And, who's playing football this afternoon and all. It's, isn't it, am I the only one? Come on, Michael raised his hand. Am I the only one, right? Words, that's strategic. That's the enemy. The enemy does not want you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Because when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you tune into the frequency of God's Spirit. But when you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you tune into the frequency of the flesh. And so worship, again, is, is such a vital thing. And, and we you know, 99.999 times out of 100, we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord together before we look into the Word together. Because if we, through worship, set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we'll be tuned into the frequency of the Holy Spirit to receive the Word that He wants to plant and impart uh, into our hearts this morning. Amen. So Romans, the 8th chapter, it begins with a beautiful verse Verse number one, there is therefore now, if you read it tomorrow, it'll say now. If you read it six weeks from today, it'll say now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free 
from the law of sin and death. For if the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Aren't you thankful that Jesus condemned in His body what previously condemned you and me. Sin is what condemned us, and we had no way out from that. We had no way to be loose or free from, from that chain of sin. So Jesus came as a man, as one of us in the flesh, and as a man in the flesh, He became, uh, took the condemnation of sin on our account. Verse number four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So it was a great exchange. Um, the Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, He who knew no sin, never sinned, knew K-N-E-W, he who knew no sin became your sin and my sin, so that we might become his righteousness. He took your place so that he could give you his the Son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And this again is what he's referring to here. Now, one of the things that I want you to pay close attention to as you study the scriptures is that you have a section of verses or a single verse that Dr. Neil Anderson calls indicative. Now that's just a big word that means something that serves to indicate. In other words, where he's telling you and me what's true about us because we've been born again. What's true about us because we've been made new creations in Christ Jesus. And we need those verses because we don't know nothing about that apart from God revealing it to us. In other words, something happened to you and me when we were born again, when we received salvation, and it made us something that we were not before. And it's, and it's the verses in the New Testament, um, prophetically from the Old, but primarily the ones from the New Testament, that serve to indicate what's true about you and me right now. And you'll notice a pattern, and we see this pattern perhaps most clearly in the book of Ephesians, where he spends the first three of the six chapters in Ephesians indicating, revealing, telling you and me what's true about us because we've been born again. And then and only then, does he lay upon that foundation uh, specific imperatives? And an imperative would be a verse or scripture that spells out a responsibility, a duty, a command, basically a practical application, practical instructions for how we are supposed to live. Now, so many in the body of Christ have these things reversed. They have the tail wagging the dog. In other words, um, they're told that if you obey the commandments and fulfill your duties and your responsibilities, then the indi indicatives will be true about you. In other words, if you come to church, if you pay your tithes, if you read your Bible, if you try your best to be good, then maybe one day you will be righteous. Then maybe one day you will be a child of God. Then maybe one day you will be seated with Jesus in heavenly places. It's just the opposite of, of that. Amen. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. You have been made 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were, you were loved this morning by Father God as much as Jesus is loved by Him. And so because that's true about you now, we have the wherewithal to be able to move forward from that experience and fulfill the will of God for our lives, to do the commands, to, to follow out uh, the, the responsibilities, to carry out our duties and ultimately our purpose and destiny in this life. Is this making sense to you? It, it makes all the difference in the world when you're serving God because you know you've been accepted by Him versus trying to serve Him to be accepted by Him. He loves you. There's nothing you can do this morning, good or bad, to make Him love you any more or any less than He loves you right now. And it's that understanding, 1 John says, that will, 1 John chapter 3, that will motivate us to purify our lives even as Christ is pure. And so I want you to, and, and you know, you could look at it this different ways. You could call this the, the, the big picture versus the, 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 the detailed picture uh, for your life. And, and what we see here is a spelling out, even the part that says, and I don't want to confuse you on this, but there's a lot of folks that, that look at uh, Romans 8. Let's go back to verse number one. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. They look at that as being a prerequisite. In other words, if you don't walk according to the Spirit, there's still condemnation on you. That's not what he's saying. And if you, if you read this entire chapter, you'll see that those who walk according to the Spirit are those who've been born again. In other words, he's talking about what's true about you now, how we live our lives now, and how he sees us now. Father God, you may be walking in the flesh this morning, but Father God sees you as one who walks in the Spirit. That's who you are to him. And so he's not putting a prerequisite for no condemnation here, right? Because later he cleans this up and clarifies it with this statement. If your heart condemns you, why would your heart condemn you? Because you've done something that you shouldn't have done or because you haven't gotten over something that he's already forgiven you for in the past, right? And you're still holding that against you. But he said, if your heart condemns you, God's bigger than your heart. In other words, you can condemn yourself this morning. That doesn't mean he's condemning you. Matter of fact, it means just the opposite if you're born again. And, and listen, if, if, if you're uh, not born again this morning, the Bible says the wrath of God still abides on you anyway. But if you've been born again, if you've, you're out from under that now. So if your heart condemns you, God's bigger than your heart. But if your heart condemns you not, you have confidence towards God. See, one of the reasons, it's a great hindrance to faith it's one of the reasons that people's faith aren't, it doesn't work in, in their lives and produce results in their lives like um, it should is because faith won't work in a self-condemning heart. When you're condemning yourself, see, that throws you into a, a, a different mindset altogether. We're talking about mindsets, right? If your heart condemns you, then you feel like, you know, because you haven't earned some blessing or some favor or some miracle or some healing. See how that... See how that hinders your faith. It detracts from your faith. But man, when your heart doesn't condemn you, when you realize there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus and that you're free from condemnation, it gives you a confidence and a boldness um, to, in your heart towards God uh, to be able to operate um, in faith. Well, I just went from Sunday to Wednesday. That's what we talk about on Wednesday's faith. But let's get back to this. So we see in these first four verses all these things that are true about us and why they're true about us, they're true about us because of what Jesus has done for us. 
They're true about us because He condemned sin in the flesh as a man so that we could receive His righteousness, His right standing before God in the eyes of God. Now, what we see in verse 5 is how we begin to walk this new reality out in our daily lives. Okay? That's very important that you understand the difference here. I haven't even read the text yet, but I've got to come down there with you, okay? Amen. We've, we've, got, to, we've, we've got to, in our mindset, mindset, and I'm, I'm pointing to my head because that's where it begins, but remember what the Holy Spirit said to us um, a couple of weeks ago. He said, they, mindsets begin in the brain, but they live in the heart. They live in the heart. Amen. So when I point to my head and say mindset, I mean, this is where our thinking has to change deliberately, intentionally, setting our minds on these things. But ultimately, as, as we make this a new priority in our lives, it'll settle into our heart. We'll become, our heart will become connected to this new, new thing that we're treasuring. Okay? And so we've, we've got to get it settled in our hearts, we've got to have this mindset that, that Father has already given to us everything that we will ever need in this life and the life that is to come. We're not trying to operate in such a way as so God will reward us and give us something that He hasn't already given to us. This is really, really important. Discipleship is not about becoming something you're not. Discipleship is about who you've already become in Christ Jesus inwardly becoming an outward expression of your life reality. And we'll never understand these verses unless we understand that, 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 that basic uh, truth from the Scriptures. Far too many people in the body of Christ today are struggling and trying and working so hard to try and become something they already are. It's the oldest trick of the devil in the book, literally. The oldest trick in the book from the enemy. And it worked so well for him the first time he played those cards that he's been playing them ever since. And the first time he played this card, he played it in the Garden of Eden when he told Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you'll become something you already are. You'll be like God. They were already like God. The one thing you cannot work to become this morning is that which you've already become. Amen. But because we don't understand who we've become, we don't understand who we are, we don't understand what belongs to us right now because of who we become and who we are in Christ Jesus, we, we fall into this trap of trying to make ourselves righteous. We fall into this trap trying to be good enough to deserve something from God. We fall into this trap trying to pray hard enough and, and be faithful enough to get Him to owe us some miracle or some healing. My brother, my sister, it doesn't work that way. It's not what this is about. It's about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. You've been given the Word of God. You've been given the Kingdom of God. You've been given the Spirit of God. You've been given the glory of God. You've been given the, the same love that Jesus, that Father loves Jesus with. Those five things alone are enough. Matter of fact, let's just be simple about it, all right? One of those five things is enough for you to live the, in victory the rest of your life. 
One of those is enough. We haven't even talked about the authority you have in His name yet. We haven't even talked about how you have on this earth been given uh, the, the instructions. Whatever you bind here, having already been bound in heaven, will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose here, having already been loosed in heaven, will be loosed here. All of this is what belongs to you. Jesus wasn't exaggerating when He said in, in uh, I think it's Matthew 13, 52, those who've been perfectly trained in the kingdom are like the owner of a general store who can put their hand on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it. That's you right now. So Pastor Mark, I'm just trying to figure out how to pay my light bill. See, you, you have the ability to pay your light bill and several other people's light bill right now. So the inward reality, what's already true about you, becoming an outward reality, What's actually true about you, let's, let's change the, the word just a little bit. What's actually true about you right now, inwardly, becoming an actual experience in your daily life, outwardly right now. For you to enjoy outwardly everything you've been given inwardly. For you to experience outwardly everything you've become inwardly. This is really, I'm not trying to oversimplify this. Anybody praying for Pastor Mark this morning? Ooh, sweet Jesus. I am, a couple of times you've become blurry to me. I, that, is, that, is how, that is how weary my physical body is right now. I am not kidding you. Amen. I was like, Lord, am I passing out? Hold on now. Amen. I, my, my knuckles are dug into this carpet right here. Praise God. Amen. I have meat to eat that we know not of. Amen. Praise God. Are you good? Amen. I'm 52 years old. And I've decided the next time somebody in my family or life needs help moving, I'm just going to write a check. Amen. Amen. Matt said, I'm going to write one too. Him and Vanessa helped us yesterday. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Matt and Vanessa and Tony Foreman and Aaron Brazil, man, they were, they were winding our sails yesterday when they showed up. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 I want to kind of let that settle in here for just a moment. Because see, if we don't have that key part in place, it throws everything out of the right, everything out of context. Do you understand context? Context is how one thing fits with other things. Do you know the Bible says there is no God? The Bible says there is no God. It's a classic way to illustrate context. The context of that phrase, there is no God, is this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But if you just take it out of context, right? Okay. So we see all these things in Scripture. Does the Bible have commandments for us? Does the Bible have responsibilities for us? Does the Bible spell out duties for us? Absolutely. But taken out of the context of who we are in Christ Jesus. It kind of went like this for me when I was younger. I would have pastors in a 30-minute sermon. They would spend 25 minutes telling us how, how low-down, dirty dog sinners we were. In the last five minutes, they would say, I'll either come to the altar or leave here and straighten up. Do right. Notice now, I, it, it never made sense to me. They were telling me to live exactly opposite to who they say I am. They were telling me to live in a way contrary. In other words, if I am a sinner, 
my behavior is going to line up with my identity. If, if you are by nature a sinner, then there's really nothing left for you to do but sin. And so if you believe you're a sinner, and, and no wonder people don't want to come to church. Believe they're a sinner and have somebody beat them up with a Bible for 45 minutes on a Sunday morning tell them, you better do this, you should do this, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't. That's not the gospel, my friend. Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet wrote I, to me, and I believe it'll be a classic one day in my grandchildren's lives, my great-grandchildren's lives, Jesus' manifesto. And in that, they, they make this simple point, but it, it, it spoke to me so deeply and so profoundly. And, and, and that is, so many people, they present the gospel as only being this. You know, go be like Jesus, be like Jesus, be like Jesus. Jesus is the greatest man that ever lived. And we feel like we've got to somehow try to, to, to discipline ourselves and, and, and practice self-control and, and work so hard and work our fingers to the bone to be, to be like Jesus. These two men in their book, Jesus' Manifesto, offer this as the true gospel. He said, imagine for a moment that you're a piano player and your instructors tell you, be like Beethoven, 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 be like Beethoven. Well, you're probably going to give the piano up after about five lessons because who can be like Beethoven? In other words, if we're going to be, in order to be successful at playing the piano, we've got to be like Beethoven. We just might as well quit now. But what if Beethoven could come live inside of you? and play the piano through you. See, that's the gospel, my friend. It's not be like Jesus. It's let the Jesus who lives in you now live through you. Let what He's done for you become the way you live your life, the outward expression of your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the confident expectation that I'm not the man I used to be, and I'm not, uh, but I'm not the man I'm going to be. But listen, again, Still, that's not referring to the man that I am right now. Because if you could see who I really am right now, you'd be looking at Jesus. You say, Pastor Mark, that's a strong statement. It's the Bible. Don't go out of here saying Pastor Mark said that. Go out of here saying the word Jesus God said that. Doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him face to face, this is what we know. We'll be like him. Because when we see him face to face, my friend, we would have stepped out of this flesh suit. And who we've been this whole time will be revealed. You were born of his seed. You were one with him. Amen. Amen. Now, praise God. This brings us to the passage that I have on that screen. I've ran laps in this church, by the way, before, and I'll run them again. But none will be a greater sacrifice than the two I ran this morning, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And there's the... 
There's power to accomplish that in those words, brother. I receive them. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we got a few more minutes. So what we find then in beginning in verse number five is the practical instructions for you and me to carry all of this out. Let, let, me, let me try to say it another way. If what I'm telling you this morning is true, and it is, I mean, I, we could spend three weeks just, that's why, that's why I keep encouraging people to come to discipleship class, because everything I just said to you right there in front of this pulpit, um, we're going to spend hours on in discipleship class, line upon line, line upon line, laying that foundation from the Word of God, from the Word of God, from the Word of God, okay? But if what I just told you is true, that you're already righteous, that you're already blessed, that you're already healed, that you're already wise, that you're already powerful, that you're all, all, you understand that your mind is already sound, that you don't have a spirit of fear. Amen. If, if, if all that is true, and it is, then the question we should be asking is, how do we go from the reality we're experiencing now to experiencing that reality, the inward reality, what's true inwardly, not being reflected outwardly. How do we, how do we make, how do we bridge from that to experiencing and enjoying it? And the answer is, it begins right here in Romans chapter eight, verse five, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, let me, let me first of all state the obvious, okay? That is obviously true concerning people who have not been born again. That's the only thing they know, is to live according to the flesh. But the book of Romans wasn't written to the world. It was written to the church, initially to the church that met in Rome. Amen. So all of these things are written to men and women who have already been born again. Now, before you, you know, set up straight and get a holier-than-thou look on your face, like you've never done anything according to the flesh since you've been born again, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? This is a struggle that we all deal with. Things of the flesh, emotions from the flesh, anger and and and. Just all of that, lust of the flesh, desires of the flesh. This isn't about condemning you. This isn't about giving you an excuse. It's just a reality. It's a reality. And to deny it is foolish. I like to say it this way. You've got to own it before you can disown it. If you don't say, man, you know what? If I don't get some help from the Lord with my flesh, it's going to ruin me. It's going to destroy me. If your flesh finds something it likes, if, it, if your flesh finds something that, it, that does something for it, be it from internet pornography to cream-filled donuts and anything in between, it will want it and want it and want it and want it until it literally destroys you. We cannot live and we're not created by God to live according to our flesh. And so, again, 
to think that this is just talking about unsaved people is a completely wrong understanding of this. He's talking to born-again folks who have everything true about them right now that I spent the first portion of this sermon talking about, right? But they're still living according to the flesh. How in the world are we going to change that? What keeps causing this? Let me say it another way. If there is no condemnation, if Jesus became sin for us, if He made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, why are we still struggling with the things of the flesh? What's causing this? Ernestine, I'll never forget the first time Dee went with us to camp down at the beach. Um, Sister Pam told him, she said, uh, we had our morning service and she goes, all right, everybody get ready to go to the beach. Well, Dee, Dee heard get ready. He thought that meant like get his nice clothes on, like get ready to go somewhere, right? So he shows up at the beach, man. He was looking fresh, you know. <laughs> Dee always looks fresh, but he was looking fresh. And of course, then he has, I remember them nice white sneakers he had on. And he kept getting close to the water and them waves kept coming. And them waves kept coming. And finally, he turned around to me. He said, what's causing this? Right? All them waves just kept coming and coming and coming. Well, amen. The flesh just seems to keep coming and coming and coming. What's causing this? Right? Well, he's tell us, he tells us right here what causes it. Cause and effect. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. There's a cause and there's an effect here clearly stated. The effect is living according to the flesh. The cause, what's causing born-again believers, spirit-filled believers, full of the kingdom of God, full of the love of God, full of the life of God, what's causing them to live according to the flesh is setting their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, now it reads the things of the Spirit, but he's saying, again, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, here is the cause and the effect is living according to the Spirit. Are you with me? Now, living according to the Spirit is living according to all that stuff that's inside of you. Living according to the flesh is living according to all that junk that's in the world around you. Are you seeing this? Let me simplify it. Living according to the Spirit is the life you're looking for. It's the life every person on planet Earth is looking for. Whether we understand what that really means or not. Living according to the Spirit. So, again, if I'm, if I'm way overdoing this, that means I haven't overdone it enough yet because that's how important this is. But if living according to the Spirit means living according to all that has been given to us, all that we've become, all that now belongs to us because of who we've become in Christ Jesus, if living according to the Spirit is the life that we all were created and recreated in Christ Jesus by God the Father to live, how do we do that? You've got to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And just to be quite honest with you, this is where either out of ignorance or out of laziness or even out of just rebellion, just refusing to do it, 
This is where the born-again believers fail to enjoy their rights, benefits, and privileges as children of God on planet Earth in this life. Because they keep setting their minds on the things of the flesh and they keep living according to the flesh, even though that's not who they are and that's not the life that God desires for them to live. Amen. And let me say this if I could, please. We've got to get beyond simply thinking of the Christian life as our conduct. The Christian life and living the life that God created you to live is far, far, far. Matter of fact, the only reason conduct has anything to do with it is because conduct has great impact on what is Father's greatest concern for us, His greatest desire for us. And it has, it's not conduct, it's the condition of life. Your life condition. What parent, grandparent among us this morning doesn't want a better life for your children and your grandchildren than you had? He's never spoken it to me this way before. But he actually, your heavenly, we got that from our heavenly father. There is no better life than the life that he has. But if possible, his desire for you is not just to have it as good as he has it. He wants you to have it better than he has it. But it don't get any better than he has it. That's why he's withheld no good thing from you. Are you seeing this? It's not like, well, I want to have a good life, but we don't get too carried away. No, he wants you to have a good life, one like he has or better. And since there is no better, he can only want you to have one like him. That's why he's given you his life. Oh, praise God. You should have got excited right there. I'm, I, amen. Praise God. So we've got to set our minds. We've got to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit leads to becoming spiritually minded. So let's go here and we'll finish. Praise God. For to be carnally minded is death. Let me say it another way. That carnally minded means to have a carnal mindset. You develop a carnal mindset by setting your mind on the things of the flesh. Carnal means flesh, fleshly mindset. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, that will either develop or reinforce within you a fleshly carnal mindset. So when he says for to be carnally minded, to have a carnal mindset is death, but to be spiritually minded. So the same is true. The more you set your mind on the things of the spirit, that helps develop within you a spiritual mindset and reinforce that mindset. So notice it's, it's practical instructions. What begins with a deliberate intentional act of you setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Hashtag resistance is real. Remember we said like all of a sudden we start worshiping God and now our minds, you know, distractions and thoughts and all this. It's the enemy. He doesn't want you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit because if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit consistently, uh, long enough, consistently enough, it will develop within you a spiritual mindset. A spiritual mindset. 
So he's given us these practical instructions for to be carnally minded is death, but he's spiritually minded is life and peace. I, I came here to talk to you about verse six this morning, but obviously we're, we're out of time. We'll get to it tonight. But let me, amen. I was going to call the singers musicians. Y'all stay there. So, so I know y'all want to hear this as well. All right. <clears throat> There's one word in that verse six that will perhaps help unlock this for you. And believe it or not, it's the word death. It's the word death. Because we think, well, to be carnally minded is death. So somebody has a fleshly mindset, you know, just fly their life in the side of a mountain and they'll die. They'll die prematurely, this blah, blah, blah. Well, no, no, li listen to me. That could certainly be a part of it. And we've seen our fair share um, of that in life where people's choices into their lives early, okay? But you're missing what he's really saying here. Because again, he's talking to born again believers. For to be carnally minded is death. I'm just curious, does anybody remember what death means? It means separation. It means separation. So when someone dies physically, a physical death is when their spirit and soul separates from their physical body. It's like a hand slipping out of a glove. It separates. My hand's in the glove. The glove has life. When my hand is separated from the glove, the glove now becomes lifeless because the life has separated from it. Spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from God. And we were all born spiritually dead. Jesus came to give us life, amen, for our spirit and God's spirit to become one again. Okay, are you following this? So the word death means separation. So remember now, no condemnation, we've been made free, law, spirit, life in Christ Jesus, Jesus became sin for us, we could become his righteousness, and on, on and on and on, all these things that are true about you right now. But notice what a carnal mindset, a fleshly mindset in the life of a believer will separate them from the reality of all of these truths. We'll look at it tonight, but in Ephesians what we see is we'll be living like people who are on the outside when we're not outsiders. We'll be living like people who don't have a covenant when we do have a covenant. We'll be living like people who don't know God when we know God and have God's Spirit living in us. He says don't live like those who have no covenant in the futility or the vanity of their mind, of their mindset don't have the mindset of the world. The mindset of the world lives as if nothing, lives as if nothing's been done inside of them because nothing has been. But now we've got folks who something has been done inside of you, but because we have a mindset of the world, we're living like people who are alienated from God. When we're not alienated from Him, we're one with Him. Amen. Singers, musicians, come on. Praise God. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Amen. Stand with me. Praise God as they come.
I am by no means trying to turn this into some kind of ritual or, uh, or rigors or burden, anything like that. But, but could, I, could I just get as basic and as simple to you as I know how to get this morning? It really, it really and truly does come down to time. In, in other words, how much time are you spending on a daily and then weekly basis setting your mind on the things of the Spirit? It, it becomes a discipline. I don't, I don't mean that like, oh, you know, uh, you know, just... Just buck up, man, get it done. No, I don't, it's not, I'm not trying to make it sound like a chore. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that word. Remember, His commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous, right? But set your mind is a deliberate, intentional action. I don't know the answer to this. Only you do, and I'm not wanting you to tell me the answer. What do you listen to when you're in your car? What do you watch on your television in your home? What do you talk about when you're at lunch with people? These are practical opportunities for you and for me to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We can listen to talk radio or sports talk radio or, uh, you know, Magic 96, whatever. I'm not picking on you or judging you for any of that. But you're missing valuable opportunities to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying here? Let me, let me tell you how much... It's the word He's given me, so I'm going to give it to you. Living for Jesus becomes a whole lot easier when you have a spiritual mindset. It's that whole tug of war where you're thinking like the world and trying to live like the Spirit, and it just don't work, my friend. But that spiritual mindset, if it's going to be in you and me, it's going to require some effort on our part. It's going, it's going to take some doing, some cooperative doing. Holy Spirit will help you. But he's, remember what He told us a long time ago. If our minds are to ever change, um, we will have to willingly cooperate with Him in the changing of them. He's not going to just change your mind while you sleep at night. He's not going to force you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. He was going to force anybody to do anything. He would force everybody on planet Earth to get saved right now. Not going to force you. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father, thank you this morning for these men and women. Lord, from the very youngest to the very eldest in this room, thank you for your hand upon our lives today. Thank you for what you've done in us. Thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you for who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we are now heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus receiving from you everything that Jesus is receiving from you. You've withheld no good thing from us. If you spared not your only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will you not now with him freely give us all things? You have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have given us, not the spirit of this world, but you've given us the spirit who is from God so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by you. That's what's true about us now, Father. All of that is waiting to emerge. All of that is waiting to manifest. All of that, Father, is waiting to burst forth into our life reality, Father. 
according first and foremost to what you've done in our spirit and then secondary father according to us setting our minds on the things of the spirit thank you for what we've heard here this morning Lord I believe you've spoken to us today father I prayed as I do always that when I speak it will be like you're speaking according to 2nd Corinthians 5 that you're speaking through me to these people that it's not me speaking it's you speaking through me and I believe you are speaking to all of us through me this morning may we have eyes to see ears to hear and hearts to understand may we give you and your word in general place in our lives but father also specifically this morning may we give this word this word place in our lives this morning we thank you for it father the lord reminded me to and he, he reminded me of this and he wants me to tell you this he said what is worry but setting your mind on the wrong things what is worry but setting you say ah I, I, I just I don't know if I can do this pastor Mark. you're already doing it you're already setting your mind on something it's just we've we've developed these patterns that have become so natural to us that we don't even realize that we actually have a choice in what we set our minds on Take your mind off of automatic pilot and get the yoke of that aircraft, the setting of your mind, back in, in your hands. And with the Holy Spirit's help, let's make a deliberate and intentional course correction. Amen? Amen. Let's sing this together. If you would like to be prayed for this morning, these altars are open for you.